Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of the NSN Shift Support Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Friday if you're listening to this on release day. I hope you all are having a great week. I've had a good week so far. Unfortunately, I had to miss group on Wednesday because I had a migraine and my joint pain was really bad and I just was not up to sitting in front of the computer for an hour. There was just no way I was really going to be able to do that, especially after working all day. So I unfortunately had to cancel that, but I'm excited to see everyone next week. If you don't know, Innocent or Nurses Supporting Nurses has a support group for nurses, CNAs, and nursing students. It is free. It is open to anyone in any of those categories. We would love to have you join us. You can get more information via the link in the show notes. Also, I want to wish everyone, a all the Swifties at least, a happy Speak Now Taylor's Version release day. I'm super excited to hear the new out al- or to hear the re-recorded album as well as the songs from the vault. I know she has a song coming out with Fallout Boy, which I am super excited to listen to. So can't wait to report back, let you know what you think. If you what I think. If you are a Swifty, please let me know what you think. I would love to chat about it. So head over to Instagram at nurses.supporting.nurses. Give me a follow and send me a DM. I'd love to chat all things nursing, Taylor Swift, whatever um, piques your interest. But I really love communicating with the community. And if you've taken the time to listen to this podcast, I would absolutely love to hear from you. So I think I'm going to start a new series, mini-series. I'm not sure if it'll be monthly, quarterly about the history of medicine or the history of nursing. I, for one, just think it's so interesting to learn about. I think it's really important to learn about, especially our queer colleagues, our black, um, brown, BIPOC colleagues, even women in medicine, all of that. I think it's so important to talk about the history of medicine, but especially the history of medicine beyond old white men. So, I'm super excited about what I'm talking about today. I think I saw it on a TikTok, and I ended up finding some different articles about it, learning about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. Let's talk about this on the podcast, because I found it really interesting, and I hope you will, too. So let's get into it. Today, we are talking about the Freedom House Ambulance Service. In 1967, Pittsburgh produced America's, and from what I'm reading, the world's first EMS or emergency medical services service. Um, It was made up of black men and women, but mostly black men, recruited from one of the city's poorest neighborhoods, the Hill District. Before this time, there was no EMS services, which I guess I logically knew But I don't think I realized how long we went before we had EMS. And to just really imagine it up until this point, and honestly past this point, because this was just serving, you know, a small neighborhood in one city in the U.S. But ambulance were driven by mostly police officers, but also volunteer firefighters and mortuary workers. And I give my hats off to all three of those professions, 
but I also can say that is not who I want to come help me for my medical emergency. Maybe an EMS or paramedic firefighter, but I don't believe that's what we were working with here because we didn't have pre-hospital medicine or paramedics or EMTs yet. So just to imagine that a police officer with maybe some basic first aid training was coming to things like car crashes, gunshots, stabbings, you know, heart attacks, strokes. Um, So there really wasn't any pre-hospital care or pre-hospital medicine. The name of the game was really, let's get this person to the hospital as quick as possible. Which, in some situations, that may be fine, but if you think about some of the patients that paramedics take care of, they are... They need immediate care. They need care the second EMS gets there. So to imagine having to just be put in a car or an ambulance and taken to the ER with no pre-hospital care is just wild to me and really scary. It makes me very thankful to be growing up in the curtain times. 1967, like, it's just wild to me because that wasn't that long ago and we're just, like before we even started having basic ambulance services that could give you actual care before the hospital. So that's just bizarre to me. And I'm super thankful to everyone involved in this and creating pre-hospital care. And I just can't think of all the lives that were probably lost because they were either improperly, you know, even transferred to the hospital. You know, they're probably, you know, there weren't Um, cervical collars or backboards or anything like that. So to think about those issues and then just, you know, people that were bleeding, were they getting any type of basic care? So just shout out to the EMS workers. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you so much. And again, no hate to the police officers, firefighters, uh, funeral workers, but That's just not who you want to come when you've been in a horrific car crash to try to save your life. So, moving on, Peter Safar, he was an anesthesiologist and Holocaust survivor, I thought that was interesting, who invented cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, in the 1950s in Baltimore. So, Dr. Safar moved to Pittsburgh In the 1960s, he was working at Pittsburgh Presbyterian Hospital, where he developed a plan for emergency street medicine. So, you know, he's thinking, let's train people before the hospital, outside of the hospital, to give life-saving care to improve outcomes, which is just so... That's such a brilliant idea, right? And it seems so simple, but obviously it wasn't being done. So he invents CPR. He comes up with this idea for, you know, emergency street medicine, um, but he has no way into, to implement it. This is where Philip Holland, who is a formal, who was a former ambulance driver, and he currently at this time was the president of a local foundation, the Maurice Falk Medical Fund. And he saw a need, especially in the medically underserved area of the Hill District, and reached out to James McCoy Jr., who was a Hill-based entrepreneur who ran a job training program called Freedom House Enterprises. 
So the three of them connect and they begin to look for who is going to be in their first class of paramedics, a job title that didn't even exist yet. There were none of this existed. And they went in and they recruited men from the Hill District. So these were black men who were back from Vietnam, who were out of prison, who were in between jobs. In the NPR article I read, one of the original paramedics that was in this program that they interviewed was saying, like, they were basically just picking us up off the street. And so they gathered these men They start training them, and they're just serving the Hill District and Oakland, which was another underserved area at first, most predominantly black areas. And there were, from my understanding, you know, you could call and have the police come, and there were some private ambulance services that the more affluent areas of Pittsburgh could afford, but they weren't They still weren't skilled. It was basically, you know, kind of like a glorified taxi to get you to the hospital. So this was the first true skilled people performing medicine before the hospital, life-saving measures before the hospital. So the Freedom House Ambulance Service saved lives that would have been lost. People from the Hill would request them over the police, so the Freedom House Ambulance over the police, yet some whites would refuse treatment. Which, of course, just shows racism that, unfortunately, has been a problem and continues to be a problem and is something we all need to understand and understand our own bias and understand how, you know, what we've seen and been taught. But to imagine that you had these trained paramedics who were trained by a physician who invented CPR and you would refuse care, and I'm sorry, the only reason you refuse care is because they were black. Um, it's just so upsetting and ignorant, and just, it's, it's a sad thing to think of. So, NPR interviewed John Moon, who was one of the original paramedics, and I also believe he was one of the first people to intubate a patient outside of the hospital, which I just think is so cool. Like, they were teaching these men true emergency medicine, pre-hospital emergency medicine. They were teaching them, you know, to intubate. They knew CPR. They were taking care of gunshot wounds and stab wounds and... They talked about taking care of heroin overdoses, and it's just so amazing. These people who came from such an underserved area were providing such good care and saving lives and doing, you know, hard work. You know, working in medicine, being a nurse, being a paramedic, all of that is not easy work, and they were doing it. I just think it's so awesome. But John Moon was a paramedic. He grew up in an orphanage in Atlanta before being adopted by family that lived in the Hill. He was a hospital orderly, and at 22 years old, he saw two black men bringing in a patient on a gurney, and he realized that they were, you know, doing more than orderlies. They were 
in charge, they were in command, they were taking care of this patient, and that inspired him to start his training. And this quote I thought was really good um, and kind of struck me, and it says, we were considered the least likely to succeed by society standards. And I think this is just a testament about how not having resources, not having the privileges that a lot of more affluent, honestly, you know, more white neighborhoods have. Obviously, there's poor white neighborhoods as well and people that lack resources and are horribly poor and do not you know, have food insecurity and all these awful things. But I just feel like this is such a testament to when you give people a resource to make their life better, you give people a resource to support themselves and to get an education and to help people to literally save lives, how much it can change their lives, how much it can change the community's lives. They took people from the poorest and most underserved area of Philadelphia, taught them these skills, and then put them back in that same community and literally saved lives. So I feel like considering this happened 50, 60 years ago, I wish we would look at it and learn more and set up more training programs like this and work to educate people in these communities that are underserved and help them to help not only help themselves, but help their community. And yeah, I just, I think there's a lot to learn from this story aside from how pre-hospital medicine came to be. So up until then they were government funded. And in 1975, Mayor Pete Flaherty, I'm probably saying his name wrong, decided to cut funding for the Freedom House Ambulance, partially due to racism. The mostly white police force saw the work as incursion by black ambulance staff on their turf. So unfortunately, they did lose funding. They ceased to exist after that. And Moon also said, you know, that he feels like funding was cut. That was awful, but also... I never knew about this until I saw it on TikTok recently. He said, you know, there's lots of people in Philadelphia who don't even know this existed. So, again, we need to talk about the history of medicine, but especially the history of medicine that involves blacks, queers, women, all the marginalized group, everyone outside of, of the rich white men. So, that's pretty much wraps up everything I have in my show notes for this episode. I just thought it was really interesting. I thought, again, it's a testament to how far people can come and the amazing things people can do when you give them the resources, like education and a job and, you know, a way to take care of their community I just think if we had more programs like this, it would help the mental health in this country. It would help our health care. It would help crime rates. Like, if you help people live better lives, you change the world. And that is just something that I feel like we are really forgetting as a country right now. And so that's part of why I wanted to share this 
story because I just found it inspiring and I just admire everyone who was involved in this. And I think, again, I think it's important to discuss the history of medicine, the problems of medicine, and to support each other. So if you have any thoughts on this episode, I would love to hear from you. Send me a message over on Instagram. Again, that's at nurses.supporting.nurses. I will put the NPR article, which is where I got a majority of my information, in the show notes if you want to go check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you shared it with a friend, if you think it would resonate with them. I also would so love if you would give us a five-star review. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a short review. You don't have to say a lot. Even just, I really enjoyed this podcast, will help us to grow. It will help me to reach new people. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. I appreciate you being a part of this community. And as always, before we leave, I'm going to give you an affirmation for your shift ahead. Today's affirmation for your shift ahead is, I believe in myself and those around me. I believe in myself and those around me. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk again soon. Bye.